Adventures, everybody. I'm Melissa Bonzak, and welcome to episode 62 of Books Cubed, the show where I chat with the authors that you should be reading. It is Thursday, May 7th, 2020, and I have a really good show for you this week. I have Lori Drake. She's going to be reading for us about 20, 25 minutes of from her one of her new books called um, uh, Ghost Magnet. I want to make sure I get the title right, because for some reason, I keep wanting to call her Grant Wolf series, Drake Wolves, or Early Grave. And that's the first book in the series, Early Grave. And I feel so bad about that because it's a great series and I don't want people to not be able to find it out there. Uh, it is Grant Wolves. And this is an in-between book. I think she said it was between book three and four. And it is a great character. Ghosts can talk to him. And she already writes about werewolves, so... Uh, I just love this addition to it. So she's going to read the first 20 minutes of her book, 20, 25 minutes. So let's get right to it. Okay, I want to welcome Lori. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I am great. I'm so happy to have you back. And I'm so excited that you have done a standalone book with, with um, this character. Uh, before I get to that, I'm going to read Lori's bio. And Lori's been on the show before a couple times. And I'll have links uh, in the show notes of what... Uh, previous shows she was on, because off the top of my head, I don't know. So about Lori Drake, uh, Lori writes from her home office and assorted coffee shops around Austin, Texas, when there's not a pandemic, um, I added that part. When not busily writing or editing, she enjoys reading, video games, fiber arts, and playing with kittens. They're all mutually exclusive activities, no matter what the kittens would make you believe. And uh, she's gonna be reading from her new standalone Ghost Magnet. And um, like I said, I am really excited uh, this is a character from the Early Graves series, and I just had it a second ago. Where'd it go? Because I want to read the description. Um, and just to tell everybody really quick what the Early Graves series is about. Sure. Uh, Early Grave is the first book in the Grant Wolves series, and it's about a, a pack of werewolves. They start out in San Diego, California, and end up moving to Seattle, and they have crazy magical adventures. Yeah, and I, I get the title, the, the series wrong every time I say it. I don't know why I want to call the whole series Early Grave because it doesn't make any sense. Well, if they look for Early Grave on Amazon, they'll find it, so. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So this is a character that is in that series and this is a standalone for him and I love it. He is a dead man's detective. So let me read the description that she's got here about this. Dean Torres, I said it right, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, is a dead man's detective with a knack for talking to spirits. Dean's job is to help the deceased find closure and pass on to the other side when he's not being needled by his sister-in-law's ghost, that is. But when a suspected haunting ends with a grisly murder, Dean finds himself thrown into a case much bigger and deadlier than he anticipated. When a potential serial killer with a potential serial killer on the loose and a ghostly client demanding justice, Dean teams up with a local witch as he races to unmask a twisted, powerful murderer. Will Dean be able to stop the killer from taking another victim or will he join the spirit world himself? And I always get chills when I read descriptions. Um, I don't know if everybody else is like that for me. Are, is that for you too? When you read descriptions of books that you're about to buy, do you get yeah, chills? If it's a good description, yeah, I totally will. <laughs> and I don't know if it's 
if it's just the excitement of reading it or or the excitement of thinking about reading it if the description is great it makes you so excited about starting the book and it's a really really good description so you're going to read from this new one so do you need to do anything to set us up or is this starting from the beginning no we're going to start from the very beginning ghost magnet chapter one the explosion rattled the plate in front of me on the counter of course, I didn't know why the plate, along with everything else on the counter, had rattled, but whatever it was, it couldn't have been good. I looked up from my lunch, glanced around the busy downtown Seattle eatery, and found others doing the same. There was a momentary pause in the hum of conversation before the murmuring began. What was that? The blonde woman perched on the stool next to mine caught her lip between her teeth, worried eyes cast toward the front of the restaurant. She wasn't speaking to me, but rather to her companion. A transformer, maybe. Nothing to worry about, he said. I knew better. The patrons seated at tables by the windows were craning their necks to peer out and up through the glass, pointing and gesticulating in an alarmed manner. I dropped a 20 on the counter beside my barely touched BLT and headed for the door. Curiosity is a fault of mine. I shouldn't indulge it as much as I do, but every now and then it leads to something good. This wasn't one of those times. Outside, pedestrians gaped and pointed. I looked up, up, up to the seventh floor of the brownstone across the street. Smoke poured from damn near every window on that floor. Only one of them was miraculously intact. A honking horn drew my attention back to street level. A taxi had stopped blocking traffic. Actually, several cars had stopped. Their passengers took to the street and stared upward with phones either pressed to their ears or poised to snap photos. I rubbed my temples and reached for my own phone. Sure, it was likely that people who weren't live streaming the terrible event were either calling or had already called 911, but my dearly departed mother's voice echoed in my head, asking me what would happen if everyone assumed someone else had reported it. Figuratively speaking, that is. I'm pretty sure my mother is keeping Letty, my dearly departed wife, company on the other side. I haven't seen any evidence to the contrary. Before I could dial, a hand grabbed my arm. Please, you have to help me. The stench hit me before I looked over, but she didn't look any better than she smelled. Her face was half melted off for one, an eyeball dangling out of its socket. Her clothing hung in tatters, bits of, cook bits of it cooked into her burnt flesh. She was still smoking, for Christ's sake. I recoil, bumping into a gawker standing beside me. He shot me a glare and I mumbled a half-hearted apology as I tugged my arm away from the dead woman. I hate it when ghosts get clingy. Fortunately, it's mostly the fresh ones that read out, reach out and touch you. Once they figure out they're dead, they tend to forget how. Please, she stepped closer. The few bites of my lunch that I'd managed to swallow threatened to come back up. I held up my hands to ward her off, no matter how strange it must have looked to passersby. Except there were no passersby. Everyone's attention was nicely diverted to the disaster across the street. Even the guy who'd given me the hairy eyeball was busy talking on his phone to a dispatch operator from the sound of it. I filed that away, no longer feeling the urgency to make a call of my own, which was well and good since I had a freshly deceased Seattleite on my hands. I can't do anything about that. I motioned across the street and focused on breathing through my mouth. Her good eye glistened, pale blue in the afternoon sun, as she pleaded with me. You have to help her, my little girl. Shit balls. I looked at the building again. Smoke continued pouring out of the broken windows. But where there was smoke, there was fire, right? 
The fire department would be here soon, even if I hadn't yet heard any sirens in the distance. They were trained for this sort of thing, had oxygen tanks and protective gear. But what if they didn't make it in time? Shards of broken glass crunched under my boots as I crossed the street before I'd even finished running the odds. Another fault of mine, I can't turn down a damsel in distress. Some might consider that an admirable quality, chivalrous even. It gets me in trouble more often than not, but I can't help it. I was raised by a single mother who spent my formative years drilling respect for women into my thick skull. I've learned since then that not all women want to be rescued, and I've dated a few that I knew better than to so much as hold open a door for them. But the impulse is still there, simmering beneath the surface, and when they turn pleading eyes on me, well, that protective instinct rises up and I'm a goner. That's how I ended up pushing my way into a burning building that everyone with a damn lick of common sense was rushing out of. I took the stairs two at a time. People looked at me like I was crazy. They were right. The ghost was always one landing ahead of me, practically tapping her foot over my mortal slowness. I didn't waste time asking where I was going, just let her, let her lead the way. The crowd in the stairwell got thinner the higher I went, and by the time I got to the sixth floor, I was the only one there. I was also starting to smell smoke, and it wasn't wafting from my spectral companion. I pulled a rag from my coat pocket and pressed it to my nose. It smelled like motor oil. I'd used it to check the level on my bike earlier. I wasn't sure if oil flumes were fumes were better for me than the smoke, but I was willing to take the chance. When I reached the seventh floor stairwell, the ghost vanished through the door rather than jumping to the next landing. I touched the door handle. It wasn't hot, so I pulled it open. Smoke poured into the stairwell, rolling upward. It remained thick in the hallway beyond, and after I'd taken a few blind steps, I dropped to my knees and did a three-legged crawl down the hall to the door the ghost had stopped in front of. Hold on, Sadie, mommy's coming, the ghost yelled. I touched the handle and yanked my hand back. This one was hot. Eyes watering from the stinging smoke, I glanced up and down the hall, considering my options. I hadn't seen any actual fire yet, but I was pretty damn sure there was some behind the door. What are you waiting for? Spirits aren't known for their patience, but I couldn't exactly blame her under the circumstances. Give me a minute, I'm thinking. She's in there all alone. Please help my baby. The distant wail of a siren was a welcome sound. Maybe the firefighters could rescue us both. I sighed and grabbed the door handle with the rag as a buffer but the door didn't budge when I twisted and pushed. Locked, of course. Probably double-bolted, too. The spirit continued to wail please, her voice growing more and more shrill. I pressed the rag to my nose and took a deep breath, then stood. Contrary to what TV would have you believe, kicking in a door is no small feat. It took me three solid kicks, and by the time the doorframe splintered, my lungs were burning from lack of oxygen. The door flew open. A blast of heat and flame knocked me backward. I hit the wall on the other side of the hallway with a curse and a thud and slid down to get under the smoke again. Sadie, the spirit wailed and rushed into the room. I followed her, crawling along the floor, squinting through the smoke and doing my level best to ignore the flames licking up the walls and blazing along the ceiling overhead. It was like a goddamn oven in there. Sadie, I called, since the kid wouldn't be able to hear her mother. Sadie, are you there? Worst case scenarios ran through my mind as I went finding the child as cooked as her mother, clutching a smoldering teddy bear. The ceiling, collapsing and pinning me underneath the wreckage. I have a vivid imagination, and the way the fire roared in my ears didn't help me dismiss any grim scenarios. A noisy pop sounded overhead, and my eyes darted upward briefly. 
The intense heat made me look away before all the moisture was boiled out of my eye sockets. It was just long enough of a distraction for me to fail to notice the body in my path. I set my hand down on something wet and squishy and recoiled. The woman's corpse was as hideous in real life as her ghostly appearance. I shuddered and detoured around her. In here, in here, the spirit stood in a doorway ahead. I redoubled my efforts, crawling faster than I would have thought possible on two knees in one hand. It was a bedroom, but not a child's bedroom as I had expected. I opened my mouth to call the girl's name again, but had to cough first. Sadie, I scanned the room, crawling in a bit farther. The flames weren't as intense in there as they were in the living room, but the air was still thick with smoke. I was able to make out the hulking shapes of furniture, but not much more. The spirit was on her knees at the foot of the bed. Here, she's under here. I crawled over and leaned down to peer into the shadows under the bed. Sadie, it's okay, I'm here to, oh, for fuck's sake. Lifting my head, I shot the ghost a glare. That's not a child, that's a dog. The canine in question emitted a low-pitched whine. The ghost blinked at me like she didn't understand the difference. I spared a few precious seconds to slap my palm against my forehead, then proceeded to lure the dog out from under the bed. I caught her collar and pulled her the rest of the way out once she got close enough. She was small and fluffy and licked my face when I gathered her against my chest. You'd think exiting a burning building with a dog in your arms might earn you an award or something, but by the time I reached street level, the firefighters were rushing in and no one knew me from any other resident of the building that had narrowly escaped an untimely death. I let someone lead me to an ambulance for oxygen. My lungs were on fire by then, racked by coughing spasms that made my stinging eyes water. They even put a tiny oxygen mask on Sadie, whom I held in my lap while I glared at the disfigured ghost standing in front of me. Thank you, she said, her horrifying visage made no less horrifying by her contorted smile. I couldn't manage more than a grunt and a nod. Before my eyes, a warm glow rose, enveloping her in golden light. The air around her shimmered, and then she was gone, crossed over or whatever. In the spirit's place stood another spirit, a more familiar and friendlier on the eyes one, with long dark hair, olive skin, and legs that didn't quit. She planted her fists on her hips and arched a brow. Despite my better judgment, I lifted my oxygen mask long enough to croak. What's wrong, Trish? Haven't you ever seen someone run into a burning building to save a puppy before? The shade smirked at me and rattled her tongue piercing against her teeth. You're an idiot, Torres. I let the mask snap back in place and sighed. Never argue with a woman, dead or alive, when she's right. Chapter two. I didn't know what to do with Sadie, so I took her home. If she hadn't been small enough to zip up inside my leather jacket, I wouldn't have been able to pull it off. As it was, I got a few strange looks at stoplights as I sat atop my Harley with the little mutt's head sticking out of my collar. Then again, covered in soot, I probably looked like one of the chimney sweeps out of Mary Poppins. Maybe the dog was just icing on the cake. I'd only been living in the Seattle area for a few weeks at the time. Home was a rented room in a rundown lakeside house about 45 minutes northeast of the city. I'm a city guy at heart, so it wouldn't have been my first choice, but the price was hard to beat. My income as a spiritual consultant, that's what it said on my business cards, was far from steady. I worked on a sliding scale, and sometimes that meant not getting paid at all. I'd learned to live frugally in the three years and change since the near-death experience that left me with one foot on the other side. The house on the outskirts of Granite Falls, a not-so-booming metropolis with a population of less than 3,000, had good bones but it had fallen into disrepair over the years. Its owner was renovating it, and my rental agreement involved helping out with those renovations 
in exchange for a bargain basement rent of 200 bucks a month. I didn't mind. I liked working with my hands. It gave me something to do that grounded me firmly in the world of the living, looking forward instead of backward. Plus, I had enough in my savings at the time that I could sustain 200 a month for quite a while. It was an easy choice to make. The big house may have been in bad shape, but it was a step up from the dingy studio apartment over a bus station I'd had before that. I had to deal with a few roommates, but they were all good people. As Sadie and I rode up the front drive, I found several of those roommates relaxing in lawn chairs on the front portion of the house's wraparound deck. It wasn't an unusual state of affairs. I learned quickly after arriving in Seattle to take advantage of the sunny days when they came along. The city's rainy reputation is well-deserved, especially in the winter and spring months. I waved to the trio on the porch as I went up the steps. Oh my God, is that a dog? Blue-haired Lucy popped up out of her chair, squealing with childlike glee. I glanced down as if to make sure. Seems to be. Lucy passed her beer off to her twin, Adam, and sprung forward to fawn over the creature. Aw, she's so cute. What's her name? Where'd you get her? Beneath my jacket, Sadie trembled and a low growl rumbled from her. I took a step back, putting a little distance between her and Lucy. Give her a little room, okay? Lucy pouted but held back. She offered Sadie a hand to sniff, and the little dog obliged. I unzipped my jacket to give the pup some air, but held her against my chest and gave her a soothing stroke. What the hell happened to you? The third person on the porch spoke up, meeting my eyes when I glanced her way. She was sprawled casually, one leg thrown over the arm of her lawn chair, as she studied me with open curiosity. Nice to see you too, Jess. I smirked, passing Sadie to Lucy once the dog seemed okay with her. Jessica was good at sticking her nose in everyone's business, but it was mostly because she cared. Did you hear about that big fire downtown? Oh shit, Adam said, straightening in his chair. Yeah, it was all over the police scanner. Jessica frowned and cut him a disapproving glance. I thought the boss told you to knock that off. Adam lowered his eyes, shoulders slumping. Don't be a bitch, Jess. Lucy held Sadie aloft and giggled as the pup licked her nose. Just because he's an easygoing alpha doesn't mean you can pick and choose which of his commands to obey, Jessica said. Did I mention that my roommates were werewolves? Adam seemed to shrink even more. I'm pretty sure if he were capable of folding in on himself and disappearing, he would have. I bumped into a ghost, one of the victims of the fire, I said, hoping to distract Jessica. The memory of Sadie's owner's ghastly appearance flickered through my mind producing a shiver. Jessica sat up, suddenly alert and focused on me. Mission accomplished. Oh, what happened? Oh my God, Lucy said, pivoting gracefully and tearing her eyes from Sadie to latch onto me. You rescued her. I blinked. What? No, she was already dead, hence the ghost bit. No, no. Lucy shifted Sadie into a one-armed grip and pointed at the dog with her other hand. Her, she reeks of smoke, and you look like you crawled out of a chimney. Wait, did you go down a chimney, Santa Claus style? Of course he didn't go down a chimney, Adam scoffed. Maybe you, should, maybe you could fit down a chimney beanpole, but a full-grown man? Lucy snorted and rolled her eyes. With this rack, please. My eyes automatically lowered, but I swear it was the briefest of glances. I went in the front door like a normal guy, but yes, I went in after Sadie. Aw, that's so sweet. Lucy closed the distance between us and planted a big wet kiss on my cheek. Good job, hero. Jessica coughed, drawing my attention. Her lips twitched in a smile and her brown eyes danced with amusement. You thought it was a kid, didn't you? Damn, she was good. I rubbed the back of my neck and smiled in spite of myself. Maybe. 
The twins dissolved into laughter, but Jessica just smiled a knowing smile and leaned over to fetch another beer from the cooler. Water dripped down the dark bottle and dotted the dusty wooden porch as she held it out. Beer or shower first? I claimed the beer, then headed for the front door. Beer in the shower. Lucy, would you mind looking after Sadie for a few minutes? She could use a shower too, Lucy said, but it wasn't stopping her from holding the little mutt against her chest. Her Sailor Moon t-shirt was already smeared with soot. Shower with her? Call me old fashioned, but I barely know her. Don't forget, four days until concert time, Jessica called after me. Her band was playing their first gig with their new lead guitarist and she was stoked. I'll be there with bells on, only not actual bells. I'll leave the music to you. I didn't actually take the beer into the shower with me, but I did take a few pulls off of it before going in. Grateful for the high-tech tankless water heater that had been installed a week ago, the better to serve a large house with seven full-time adult residents, I stood under the spray until the water running off my body was no longer gray. I couldn't help but think about the events of the day. I'd been back in town less than 24 hours and I'd already gotten in over my head, out of the frying pan and into the fire, literally. A little downtime between crises would have been nice. Now I had to figure out what to do with a dead woman's dog when what I really wanted was a chance to relax and unpack the events of the last few days. It had started, as it usually does, with a ghost, and I'd ended up being held prisoner by a cult in East Bumfuck, Nevada, part of a megalomaniacal witch's magnificent menagerie. But that was over now, and the aforementioned ghost had crossed over. I dropped off his ashes with his wife and the kid just that morning when I got back into town, then treated myself to lunch and people watching, and you know how that ended. I closed my eyes and tipped my face into the spray wishing it was as easy to wash away the consequences of the day as it was the evidence. I didn't know what to do with Sadie. I didn't know the shelters in the area at all, and Letty would turn over in her grave if I left the mutt with any place that had put animals down willy-nilly. As always, thinking about my wife made my chest tighten. It wasn't as bad as it used to be, but I figured it'd be a long time before I could think about her without feeling that familiar ache, without remembering the night I'd lost her. I still couldn't bring myself to listen to the song that had been on the radio when that damn tourist crossed the center line. I shut off the water rather than let myself sink into that memory. When I stepped out of the shower, Trish was sitting on the counter beside the sink. She glanced up from studying her chipped black nail polish. There wasn't a mark on her to indicate how she died. I only knew it was from internal bleeding because that's what the cops had told her brother, and he, in turn, told me. Like Letty, she'd been in a car accident. Like Letty, it had been because of me. Unlike Letty, she hadn't crossed over. I was pretty sure that was my fault, too. Frowning, I grabbed a towel and covered myself. Do we have to have the personal space talk again? Lighten up, Torres. It's nothing I haven't seen before. Besides, we need to talk. I tied the towel around my waist on principle. I still felt something about the night we'd spent together. My feelings for my sister-in-law were a jumbled mess. She'd only been dead for a few months, and though we'd been friends for years, we'd never really connected until the night she died. Remember what I said about the newly dead not realizing they weren't supposed to be touching people? Well, let's just say she touched me a lot that night and leave it at that. Can it wait until I'm dry at least? I'm not usually a two towel kind of guy, but I grabbed a second one and rubbed some of the moisture from my hair. Trish shrugged. I took that as a yes and dried off pulled on a clean pair of boxer briefs and a pair of sweatpants while she pretended not to watch and I pretended not to notice. She seemed uncharacteristically subdued. Whatever it was she wanted to talk about, I didn't think I was going to like it. As if we need to talk ever pretended anything good. Okay, what do you want to talk about? 
I snagged my beer from the counter, then leaned against the wall opposite her, still sans shirt. She dragged her eyes up my bare chest and clicked her tongue piercing against her teeth. Whatever was on her mind, it couldn't be too bad since her lecherous ways were still intact. I decided to tease her. My eyes are up here. She snagged the shirt from the counter beside her and threw it at me. Shut up. I thought she wanted to talk. I do. Trish folded her arms and glared at me. What were you thinking running into that building? You could have died. I had a feeling this was coming. Truth be told, I was surprised she hadn't read me the riot act at the scene. I didn't, I said simply. She blew out a frustrated breath in a very human fashion. Ghosts don't need to breathe, but they still retain some mannerisms from life. Do you want to die that badly, bad enough to die for a stupid dog? Give me a break. I don't have a death wish. Could have fooled me. First your hair off into the middle of nowhere chasing that piece of ass and get yourself kidnapped. Now you're running into burning buildings. Lips twitching with the effort not to smile, I laid my hand over my heart. Aw, you do care. She threw a bar of soap at me next. I ducked and it hit the wall with a thud. My heart quickened and I grinned at her show of temp temper. Letty had had a temper too, but she'd had more control over it than her little sister. Maybe I liked playing with fire more than I wanted to admit. I retrieved the soap and returned it to the dish on the counter, which left me standing in front of Trish. Okay, first of all, I wasn't chasing a piece of ass. You know better than that. Joey and Chris needed my help and it all turned out okay in the end. Did it? She didn't look convinced. You're the one that said I needed to move on. I'm trying, Trish. I moved to Seattle, I'm starting over, but I can't stop seeing ghosts and I can't stop wanting to help them. That's always going to be part of me. She curled her fingers around my forearm. I know it's just, don't be reckless, Chulo. I knew better than to look down. Trish may have been good at hurling phys physical objects on impulse, but it was the unconscious actions she excelled at. If I drew too much attention to what she was doing, her intangible fingers would wisp right through me. But as I stood there, I remembered that Trish wasn't the first ghost to grab my arm that day. Sadie's owner had touched me too, surprised me even, because I hadn't seen her first, as if she'd known somehow that I'd be able to see her. That was new. That's it. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love it. That's so great. I love the, the surprises. I was sure it was a child too. <laughs> yeah. And um, and I love the the reveal for people who don't know that there's going to be werewolves. That reveal that his it's just such a great. Just in case anybody doesn't know, my roommate the werewolves. <laughs> right. Just kind of a throwaway line. That's great. That's great. So this adventure takes him. Does it take him out of Seattle? Uh, no, he's in Seattle for the whole thing. Yeah, the, the book, uh, like I said, it's a standalone book. It takes place in between uh, books three and four in the Grant Wolf series, but there's no previous knowledge required. There's some minor spoilers involved for people who haven't read the first three books, but should be able to, anyone should be able to pick it up and read it. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. And it's, it's available, is it available just on Amazon? Yep, it's Amazon exclusive. So it's there. Um, you can buy it in paperback or ebook or uh, Kindle Unlimited. You can borrow it with Kindle Unlimited. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, for all you people that are binge listening or, excuse me, binge reading right now um, with uh, not much to do since we're all trapped inside our houses, um, it's a great time to read the entire series. So for the Grant Wolf series, how many books are there? There's five. There's the five in Grant Coming Wolves. out this year. And then you have a new series. 
yeah, secondhand magic uh, series Null Witch is the first book, and that's out right now. Is that right? Now? And that's a totally different universe and world and everything. It's a brand new series. So, oh, fantastic! How many books will be in that series? Do you know yet? I don't know yet. I've got uh, plans for at least five, so we'll see what happens beyond that. Oh, nice. Yeah, I like series that have a lot of books in them, so I know that I can be with these characters for a long time. Yeah. And I know a lot of people are like that too. Some people prefer just standalone. Uh, but a lot of people just like that to dig into that series and just go from one to the next. Yeah, I'm a because, big series reader too. Oh yeah, yeah, which is great. So, so how are you doing? I know that with this, if you're listening in the far future and we're all still alive, uh, everybody's been on lockdown with uh, COVID-19 for what? Are we going into six weeks now? Oh, at least, yeah. Yeah, at least. Yeah, it, yeah I'm it doing okay. Uh, other than it, it cuts into my writing time a bit only in that my usual way of getting past like writing blocks and whatnot is to go out to a coffee shop and write there. So I can't do that right now. So it's a little bit of a struggle trying to get through the rough patches when I don't have that habitual place to go where I get in the groove, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you need to get your husband a green apron and have him <laughs> appear periodically and take your order. Good idea. I wonder if he'd do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, he may not like that. No. Are you thinking about doing audio ever? Yeah, I do want to do audio. I just have to get to the point where I can afford to pay a person to read it. <laughs> yeah. Cause they'll have to, if you start a series, you want to finish the whole series so that they can, you can bundle the books because since it's a, since it's a, uh, a credit, I usually buy, I usually look for series. I usually right. don't get a book by itself uh, unless it's really short. It's, you know, if I buy the ebook and then I see it's an audio and I usually do that with nonfiction, I'll get the, the ebook and the um, audio for nonfiction uh, just cause I like to hear the person talking to me. Um, but yeah, for, for audiobooks, I tend to wait until there's at least three in the series. So people can find you on Amazon. Uh, you have a, do you have a newsletter? Yes, I do. Yeah, you so can find they, my website they... at lauriedrakeauthor.com. And there's a subscribe link right there on the front page. Oh, great. lauriedrake.com. I'll have that in the show notes. Have links to the books in the show notes. And uh, I see, yeah, and, and with the new one, I'm going back to and the covers are really gorgeous. So we've been you've been looking at the cover for uh, Ghost Magnet. Uh, it I'll have magically gone back and and popped the cover and over the top. But if you go and look at the rest of the covers on Amazon, the cover designer has done a gorgeous job. Um, and the uh, the Null Witch number one in what's the name of the, the secondhand magic series? It's gorgeous. It's got light green and reds and looks like there's a fire around her with green ghostly air in the background behind her very very cool and there's that kind of that running theme for um the book covers and i know for me a book cover is usually the first thing that grabs me when you when you're reading does is that the first thing that you really look for is a cover it does i wish that it wasn't <laughs> i wish i could say no but i can't <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, you know, there's just so many books out there that having a cover that's really eye-catching um, just just absolutely grabs you. And then you know you read the description uh, usually. Um, but if I'm in, if I'm at um, at a book fair, especially if it's late in the afternoon and I don't have a lot of time, I just go through and look for covers and just grab and just I won't even read uh, interiors, and I'll just grab. And I hate 
judging a book by its cover because sometimes there's a great book with just a bad cover up, you know, and it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of sad that, you know, you don't always have time to look at everything just because there's so much stuff out there, but covers are absolutely gorgeous. Just gorgeous. You said the same person did all the covers for all your series? Yep. Yep. He's uh, done all my covers. That's he's smart. great. I wish I could claim any credit whatsoever for them, but I can't. It's all him. <laughs> yeah, they're gorgeous. And you know, you look at any of the covers and like when Ghost Magnet came up and I saw Null Witch, I immediately knew before I looked at the name, I knew it was a, one of your books. And my first thought was actually, oh my God, someone's copied your cover. <laughs> and then I realized, oh no, no, it's hers. It's hers. It's a new series that I didn't know about. I'm so excited. So yeah, I've been reading the Grant Wolf series. Grant Wolves, right? Yep. No, Grant Wolves, G-R-A-N-T. Yep. I think my problem is I want to call you Lori Grant. <laughs> Maybe. I don't, and I want to call it Drake Wolves. The Drake Wolves. <sighs> I don't know why. I don't know why. I'm, I'm terrible with names. We just... I might have to add that to my Amazon keywords. Yes, <laughs> yes, because, yeah, because if I'm doing it, other people might be doing it too. Too, definitely. Yeah, so... <laughs> Now that I've rambled on and on about absolutely nothing, um, oh gosh, uh, I, I'm just really excited to see you again and chat with you. And we were supposed to be going on a uh, writer's convention next weekend. And I am so, well, it's virtual now. Yeah. But it's, it's still not the same as seeing everybody in person. Uh, that yeah, was just so fun. much fun. <laughs> and we're, we are signed up, the two of us plus 13 other people for a writing convention in New Orleans in October. So, I mean, fingers crossed if the world is open again, I don't know, you know, I, I feel like there's, everything's gonna be opening, there's gonna be a second wave and things are gonna shut down again and wear your mask. Yeah, if you're going out, wear a mask, wash your hands. Um, be careful, because you're not just exposing yourself, but you're exposing other people. So uh, be safe out there if you have to go out. I'm a homebody, so I got no problem staying at home and just being in my office and um, not going anywhere. I used to go out and write all the time at coffee shops, and then I got to where I have whiteboards. One of these days, I'll do some pictures of my office. I've got whiteboards everywhere in my office, and my desk is very narrow, so it's about it's just a little bit wider than my computer, so I can reach out and I can touch my whiteboards, and I write on them as, I, as I'm working. I make notes about what you know, so I research this later and I do everything in a different color uh, so that I can see at a glance how much crap I still have to deal with. But I've got three two by three foot whiteboards and then two more that are different sizes. And I told my husband, I need another whiteboard. He said, another one? Do you have room? And I said, no, but I need another one because I'm, I'm outlining a new book and I, I've got, you know, each, each piece of the outline, all three, I break into threes and each one has a whiteboard. So uh, I see you've got a nice office there, which is good. So you're actually able to work at home some, you don't have to fight your husband for the kitchen table. Nope, I don't. I just have to fight the cats for my attention. <gasps> yes, your I had to shut have... my door behind me so uh, they wouldn't come in and bother me while I was doing this. <laughs> yeah, you know, they might have walked across your computer and then you lose track or, or they turn it off or or something we had is it my, my dog I lost my dog recently but she was really she was really old and she didn't hang out with us much I mean but years ago I had a dog that we had a TV that you had to use your finger to touch and change channels so the dog would go over and run her nose 
his nose up and down and change all the channels continuously. Stop it. <laughs> My, I have a cat whose favorite spot in the house to sleep is on top of the TiVo by the television. We have the, the TiVo DVR and it gets warm. So he likes to sleep on top of it. It's his own personal heating rock. Oh, jeez. <laughs> we have all sorts of pictures of him just curled up on top of it. It's very funny. Does that overheat it? Does it work okay? Yeah, it works fine. Oh. <laughs> He's not blocking any of the vents or anything. It's just regular flat plastic on top. So. Yeah, they do like heat. Uh, as a kid, we had um, floor vents and you would walk past the, you'd walk down the hall and you'd pass the living room and it would be ice cold. And you'd look over and we had this big fat gray cat and she'd be laying on top of the heating vent. <laughs> and I was, uh, how does she not catch on fire? Because you'd pick her up and feel the underside of her. It was so hot to the touch. And we'd chase her off the vent and then it would warm up in the room. You'd go away and you'd come back and walk through that area. It'd be ice cold again. <laughs> that darn cat laying on the vent. Uh, so at least heating vents are in, are in the ceilings now instead of the floors. Yeah. Years ago when I was a kid. <laughs> a lot of years ago. But uh, okay, well, see, I, I guess I am missing companionship because I'm not letting poor Lori go. And um, it's just really nice to see you. And I guess I guess when we go to this this weekend writing conference next weekend, the virtual one, we can all kind of chat with each other virtually. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. I'm so. sure though. Yeah, I'm sure they'll have yeah, they something. They're going to do virtual sessions, so. It's going to be interesting. I, I've never done a, a virtual conference, but I'm glad they didn't cancel it because yeah. the, the speakers are really great. And uh, especially in the indie world, there'll be a lot of really great ones. So I'm really excited about that. So, okay. So I'll probably cut some of this because <laughs> I'm rambling. So we can find Lori. I'll have, I'll have links in the show notes and you can find Lori. Her books are exclusively on Amazon. If you read in Kindle Unlimited, you can read all of her books, take a weekend and maybe a week because there's what, five, six, seven books, right? Yes. Seven now. So yeah, there's seven now plus the, plus the anthologies, which are actually wide. I, I'm in a few uh, post-apoc anthologies. So I'm <gasps> yes, 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 yes. You want people, everybody, if you like zombies, you want to go, and I've talked about them. I've talked about this book on the show before. You want to go, I'm looking, okay, it's called Undead Tales, 15 Thrilling Zombie Stories. Lori's story inside this is my absolute favorite. And every time I see her, I ask her, when are you doing a trilogy based on your short story? Because I absolutely loved the characters. It takes place in this Western town and I love the characters and I really want more with them. And the short story was not enough. So go and read this and then go like to her email and send her an email <laughs> and tell her that you want her to write a trilogy based on the characters from Undead Tales. And I'll have links to, a link to Undead Tales also. There's a lot of great zombie stories inside it. And uh, like I said, I featured in last March, a year ago. Last March I featured, uh, it was March of the Zombies. <laughs> I featured, I think, five or six of the authors from there because I love zombie stuff. And all the proceeds for Undead Tales uh, are going to charity, so. Yes, to a charity. Uh, to the Georgia Romero Foundation, so. Yeah, and if you know zombies, you know who Georgia Romero is. So, George A. Romero, right? I believe, I believe the foundation is George A. Romero. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure. It's George A. Romero Foundation or George Romero Foundation, one of the two. Yeah, and then they have all that listed on the book itself. So if 
can find those there and the links in the show notes. And then she is at Lori Drake, L-O-R-I-D-R-A-K-E dot com. Author.com. Author.com. Yeah, Lori Drake.com is a photographer, not me. Oh, okay. Yeah, you disappointed. <laughs> Where are the zombies? Where are the witches? Where are the books? <laughs> yeah, no, that wouldn't work. All right, well, I will let you go. Thank you so much for coming on today. And uh, I can't wait to dive more into this book. And I loved the, the couple of just the little twists already that were in there. Well, there's plenty more in there. So make time for it when you have time. I shall. Thanks. Right. It's always great to talk to you, Melissa. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, Laurie. I will have links to Ghost Magnet and the Grant Wolf series by Laurie Drake in the show notes. And I highly recommend that you grab these books and take a look. And now I've gotten rid of my background if you're watching on video because I want to show you something. I'm just going to move this so I can see what I'm doing. So it was my birthday a couple of weeks ago. And my lovely daughter knows how much my husband and I love to go to Disney World. We love Disney World. So uh, she made this for me. Uh, whoops, I got the wrong side. I blew it for you there. So uh, let's see, there we go. So this is, um, it's a Mickey Mouse, it's the mouse ears. And it has, it's a small world. And she's made it in, well, I guess it's it's that sponge stuff. You know, the, the stuff you can buy at, at Michael's. And uh, she's got all what looks like the the ride, the colors and the 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 shapes and stuff that you see on the, it's a small world ride. And we absolutely, this is my favorite ride at, at Disney World. And uh, we love to go on, my husband and I, um, while there's parades or while there are um, fireworks. And we will uh, sit, if there's no one else on the, on the ride, we will sit in the very back and we'll take selfies throughout the whole thing. But we only do it if there's absolutely no one else in the boat and you can't see the boat behind us. And usually the boats are spread out enough that you can't see each other, usually. So um, anyway, so that was the front. And then the back, she's got all the farewells, goodbye, adios, um, aloha, au revoir, that kind of thing on the back. So I absolutely love it, but I wanted to just show it off. And, um, and I'm probably gonna knock my, my implants off trying to put it on by not being able to see. <laughs> I'll have to fiddle with it. I'll have to fiddle with it some and figure it out. So um messes up my glasses there. So anyway, <laughs> I'm gonna leave them on for a moment. And um I will uh I will be back next week with another great show. And uh in the meantime, <laughs> getting the microphone. In the meantime, go read a good book. Mm -hmm.